Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back, everyone, to the FlowTrack Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. You can subscribe to the show on YouTube, FlowTrack Podcast. Just put in the search bar. You will find us. Gordon, you are not supposed to be here today. This was supposed to be a solo Kevin show, and yet here you are. Here I am. All my glory. I was supposed to be on a flight this morning. Uh, I got a text from my colleague who actually hit the flight. Apparently, there was a lot of uh, traffic in the airport uh, for that flight because of 
all the stuff going on. I guess there was golf of an event in Austin, South by Southwest, all that stuff. Anyway, yeah, I missed the flight. Um, I got in a biking accident. Um, I'm wearing a my shirt. I'm kind of shirtless right now. I have a sling on, as you can see right here. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I got in a biking accident on Friday. Going, I was riding my bike downtown to meet up with a friend uh, for happy hour. I swerved. And I almost, I almost hit someone, and then I went over to, I went over to handlebars, hit my head. You can see right here a little cut there, and I broke my clavicle bone. So I can't really get on airplanes right now. Can't really type much. I only have my left hand to work with. Uh, it's mm -hmm. been a, a long weekend so far, and I think it's going to be an even longer, a uh, few days, I guess, few weeks until I get healed. I go to an ortho orthopedist hopefully today to find out if i need surgery mm -hmm. so fingers crossed i don't need surgery so the first question the orthopedist is probably going to ask hey what do you do for work you're going to tell them podcaster full-time full-time podcaster and then you got to yep. be like hey what's the prognosis can i still pod doc give it to me straight i mean that is the, the big question can i still pod i'm a little I will be honest, I got to be forefront. So there's a lot of pain that's involved with a broken collarbone. And because of that, they give you a special drug called codeine, which I've never taken before. But let me tell you, it is something. <laughs> so uh, it's getting me through the weekend. It's getting me through this podcast. It uh, allows me to deal with the pain in my shoulder. Um, and hopefully... I find out that it's not that big of a deal that it'll heal in four weeks and I'm back up and running and I'm able to be a full-time podcaster again. But right now I'm a, mm -hmm. you know, a half version of a podcaster, I guess right now, but Hey, it's so, track and field. I can figure out how to talk about it with a, a broken shoulder and a little bit of a light head. So people are going to tune into the pod late or they're going to see a clip and they're going to think that you just have a new fashion sense with the, non-buttoned shirt here uh so if you are listening right now you'll spread the word like in the comments yeah. or something and people are like hey why is his shirt like that say hey he's dealing with a broken shoulder right now any other injuries suffered from this accident and you can can you tell like, like what exactly happened here because that's a pretty that's a pretty bad break yeah so if we bring up on the screen this is the scene of the crime right here that's where i fell I was coming towards the camera, turning right around the curve, and another biker was coming towards away from the camera. I had no idea. I had headphones in. He swings wide. Mm. I'm swinging wide. I was probably going too fast. I went into his lane, and boom, I hit him. I go over to handlebars, hit my head. Guys wear a helmet. It's important. Luckily, there was no major head injury, just a pretty – Big cut on my eyebrow here um and i cut up my knee pretty bad so my knee has a lot of like uh, rat, uh road road rash on it um mm -hmm. but the main injury was i landed on my shoulder uh, i was there didn't know what was going on had a friend who i was meeting up to go to happy hour with the guy who i hit he called my friend for me 20 minutes later my friend picks me up takes me to urgent care Urgent care tells me I broke my shoulder. 
I said, mm-hmm. can I go to Ole Miss? And the guy laughs at me because that's where I was supposed to go. I was supposed to go to Ole yeah. Miss to film a workout this week. He says, you're not going on an airplane. I was like, okay. Uh, gives me some drugs. I go home and I watch March Madness. And, mm-hmm. and that's all she wrote. And now I'm uh, stuck here. Here's what <laughs> – oh, this is uh, – th- this. it was not uh, – um, the, at least the object that I hit was moving. So it yeah. I did at least, you know, have a little bit of dignity that I didn't hit like a tree, like in this Simpsons gift that Travis just pulled up. Um, but uh, yeah, it's the first time I ever hurt myself like this. It's a good reminder yeah. that biking is not a children's activity. It is very dangerous and you can hurt yourself mm-hmm. incredibly. So if you are biking out there to track practice and you're late, Take your time. Take your time yeah. because it is not good. It is not good to, to get hurt. I thought you were going to say when the doctor said, no, you can't go to Ole Miss. He said, Old Miss? Why would you go there? Texas just beat him in the DMR. Stay in Austin. <laughs> you don't need to do a workout on, on them. Do a workout on the, the UT guys pulling the upset. Moral of the story, uh, wear a helmet. If you're in yes. an accident, be, be the barista. Shout out to that guy. I don't know if you got his name, but props to him for sticking around. Not a lot of people do. Um, yeah, Logan. He helped me out. Logan. Thank you, Logan. Shout out Logan the barista in Austin for staying there and, and helping you and giving you the towel and making sure you were safe. You texted me a very cryptic text. I don't even remember what it was, but it's something like you texted, something has happened and plans will have to change, which my mind just went in a bunch of different directions about what that could mean. I didn't know if that meant um, something happened with a flight that got canceled, with your availability for the podcast. I could have listed a bunch of things and broken clavicle in a bike accident was not among them. So very glad you're okay, Gordon. Glad you're okay. And hopefully speedy recovery for you. Hopefully you can get back to dunking and traveling soon. Yeah, that's the main issue. I got a lot of texts from some people when I posted I got hurt. They, they thought, was it from your dunk attempt? And I was like, that's embarrassing <laughs> if I broke my clavicle bone from a dunk attempt. I was yeah. supposed to do a dunk attempt on Saturday, and I got hurt Friday afternoon. And my training mm-hmm. was going well. I'm going to be honest. I, I felt like, like a mini LeBron James out there in the training yeah. room. Uh, so now it's a huge setback, right? But this is going to make... That moment when I dunk in December, even sweeter that I overcame a broken collarbone and had to take like two months off of lifting. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, wear a helmet and uh, don't break your clavicle bone uh, right in the spring. Like spring is like the best time. The weather's nice. Everyone's out going to have a clavicle. And I'm just stuck in my house with a broken clavicle bone. It sucks. And uh, back, yeah, there's a lot of side effects to the drugs too. So. Yeah. Well, that's what we're seeing in the chat. People are talking about the side effects in the chat um, can aggravate the stomach. According yeah, to I. Somebody. So be careful. I, I haven't I haven't taken a shit in like three days. So. Okay. Well, we didn't need to go that in that direction. I thought aggravate <laughs> the stomach would have it's been. It's a normal. thing. Yeah. All right. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Okay. Let's. <gasps> Sorry. With that Sorry. said, this let's is move a, forward this is here. A fam- this is a family podcast talking about track and field. I take it. I'm sorry. Well, I apologize. Not, not anymore. It was up until about 15 seconds ago. Luckily, Colt has the, the bleep button uh, handy. Maybe he's going to need it for the next couple of episodes. Yeah, All right, we have the trigger, that... figure on the trigger. 
<laughs> we have the the results. Uh, last week's uh, contest, we did the who's going to win the Texas Relays men's 4 by one You said Houston. I said USC. Florida won it. And we'll get to the Texas Relays recap in a second. 14% of people had Florida there. Uh, so congrats to those folks. We're doing a new one for this week. And there's two things that people can choose for the, the pickup contest here. Um, and you can win prizes for this. So the two questions for this week is who will win the Stanford Invite Men's 5,000? So let's start first with that one. The choices we have are Charles Hicks of Stanford, Nico Young of NAU, or Amon Kemboy of Arkansas. You can also pick the field and get literally everyone else. Um, who did you pick and why, Gordon? Uh, I went with Nico Young. Uh, I think he fell during the, what was it, the 3K indoors. Mm -hmm. He was third in the 5K indoors. I think he's the best talent there. I do, though, think that Kemboy and Hicks will be – actually, I'm not going with Nico Young. You know what? I'm right. I'm going with Charles Hicks. I'm going with Charles Hicks because Charles Hicks was had a really good indoor meet and it's on his home track. I think Nico Young might show a little bit of, I'm just here to get a qualifier. Hicks is like, this is my home turf. I'm going for the win. Uh, so I'm going with Charles Hicks. But there are good athletes, like obviously Nico and, and Amon Kemboy. And the field. The field's going to have George – it's going to have Cole Sprout, the other Stanford kid, um, a few mm -hmm. others. So, um, But I'm going with Charles Hicks over Nico Young. I, my heart wanted Nico, but my brain is telling me you got to go with Charles Hicks. It's on his home mm -hmm. track. I'm going Kemboy. He was seventh in the 5,000, but he came back and finished second in the 3,000 at NCAA indoors. I was out there recently for a workout that we're going to post soon as well, too. I think he's in obviously really great shape. So I will go with Amon Kemboy. You're picking two guys, but it sounds like you settled on Charles Hicks. The second question, Florida Relays this weekend, how many times will a pro team win in the, in the four big relays that are going to be contested? I'm talking about men's and women's four by one and the men's and women's four by four. Now the start lists are already out, but this is a difficult thing to forecast because as we saw with Texas Relays, a lot of people scratch. A lot of people move around. I went four for four for the pros. And the reason is I saw two names listed on the pro list. For the men, I saw Noah Lyles. And for the women, I saw Shawnee Miller-Weibo. And for me, that was enough. That was enough to go four for four for the pros. See, that's not enough for me to go four for four for pros because I think the handoffs in the four by one with these pros is not going to be... Good. They're just there to get a, a rust buster of 100 in. And I think that those handoff mishaps, while there is going to be a Wade Van Niekerk, a Noah Lyles, there's a Andre de Grasse, a Shana Milowebo, I can go on and on. There's basically the top people in the world competing. These colleges, they're going to be in sync. They've been training together. You know, I just think that mm -hmm. there's going to be opportunities for colleges to take one or two victories. And I think two of the relays will be won by a college team like so on the men's four, side of things definitely a four by four they could they win you know i don't know though that even danger. the non the non-noah lyles team looks pretty good in the four by four that's van niekirk jareem richards who we just saw at world indoors noah williams and jelani walker if that ends up being the lineup that's pretty solid 
you have definitely guys who can run 45 there. That's no big deal for a pro to crank out a 45. Obviously, tech, uh, excuse me, Florida coming off a very fast time at Texas Relays. They'll be in the mix. And then the 4 by one You mentioned some really fast names as well. Um, Miller Weibo on the women's side of things. Irby, Mirla Hore. I guess that one would be the most beatable because you have two women there who aren't 100 meter specialists for sure. I think that one would be would be tough. But the men's four by one, putting Lyles on there, you got a big talent advantage there. So I'm going clean sleep four for four. But hey, if last week is any indication, this is not a sure thing. This is not a sure thing. We were way off on our picks. So yeah, do the prediction contest. You win prizes. Uh, Anything else people need to know about that one, Gordon? Yeah, you got to go two for two in order to be eligible to be selected. You can't just get one right. You got to get both right. So yeah. Put, put up the QR code right there yep. if you're watching. If you're not watching, find the pod on video uh, and you or find the article on our site and you can uh, enter to win. Also, I think it looks like, at least for the men's side, they just entered the same team twice. I would guess they're going to mix and match that. That may not be the final roster who's on what team. So you could have a re- like one, like a clear A team and a clear B team, or you could have two teams that are a balanced. But listen, we've seen college teams uh, perform really well early season. Just recently is this past week um, at the Texas Relays. So pickup contest, enter, win, prizes. All right, let's get into the show now, Gordon. You ready? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. One thing about this injury is it makes uh... – a day feel like a week. So that means it makes mm-hmm. a podcast feel like like a whole work day. So this feels like a whole like, you know, eight hour podcast for me. I feel like I've been podcasting for like two hours. All right. If you want to tap <laughs> out at any point, I was already prepared to go so low anyway, because I thought you were going to be no, on a workout fine. trip. So if you just all of a sudden just disappear, we'll leave the microphone there in your honor, basically. All right. Um, Word. So let's get into it. We'll talk about Texas Relays in a second. We'll talk about uh, Caitlin Tui, Matthew Bowling, Benjamin Azamati, everybody who made news uh, on this first big outdoor weekend. Let's start first though with Fred Curley because Fred Curley's march has been something to behold here. He goes 999 into a headwind in Florida, winning by a gigantic margin. And you put this in context of what he's already done in March of 2022. This has been his march. He ran 44.47 in Grenada. He ran 20.04 in Tempe. And then he goes 9.99 now in Florida. Those performances, Gordon, very much in line with one another. If you look at the point totals on World Athletics, one of them is 1,213, 1,214, and then 1,217. So they're giving the most credit to that 44.47. But it's just incredible how consistent he's been across these three events and he doesn't really appear to have a weak event like all three uh are running on all cylinders right now for fred curley this early in the season i want to talk about where you think his best chance for gold lies but just first what was your reaction to the 999 uh i mean damn right i mean but like he (laughs) I mean, 9.99 in a vacuum is not that fast, right? Because lots of by the end of the year, there's going to be a lot of men who are going to run sub 10 seconds. But 
He's doing it in March. He's doing it a week after running 20 flat, which is two weeks after running 44 seconds. These are like rust buster baseline results that he's putting out there. And if his baseline yeah. is becoming 999, you know that he's setting himself up to be in the 98 conversation and maybe, maybe, maybe in the 97 conversation. And seeing how Coleman and Jacobs looked indoor, I think it's going to take a 97 potentially to win. And if it's going to take a 97, you need to have a really good baseline. And that's what he's showing. So that is the big question, though. He's putting down three marks that all yeah. are indicators of I can be a medalist in that event. Now, obviously, I don't think he's tripling at Worlds, right? He's not doing the 100, 200, 400 triple. Uh, probably he's going to do a double. Um, but I think he's likely to do the one-two double again because mm -hmm. it just doesn't – it seems like he's really focused on the sprinting and I think the 400 something that might be more in the past for him and the 400 more was just like a, a fitness, just, you know, do a 400 mm -hmm. to get the, the legs moving. But I do think he's going to be focusing on the one, the two. And I think for him – he doesn't, I think he really wants to make sure that his 200 is locked in to be able to be at the same level as his 100 because his 200 last mm -hmm. year was not at the level that Lyles was at, that Bednarik was at, even that uh, Knighton was at, right? Um, but I think Carly has like, you know... It got there, though. Carrot. It got there, but he has a carrot to go after, right? And this, that carrot is, all right, finish top three in the 200 at USA's because he didn't do that. And then mm -hmm. make a 200 meter final and put myself in position to have two medals as opposed to just one. And hopefully one of those two is the color gold. I think he's mm -hmm. like, I need two opportunities to get that gold. You know, I'm sure he's probably thinking I want two golds, but hey, one gold is better than no gold. So I think he wants to put himself out there for two, two legit chances at getting a gold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the versatility is just impressive because we know how hard it is to be good in two events, let alone four, or sorry, for three, and then you add in the relay as well too, we, we could be seeing him multiple times on the track. We, when you go through event by event and try to figure out, okay, which one will be easier, you got to first think, okay, making the team, because in the U.S. it's hard. But in the 100, the U.S. gets four, because Coleman has the bye. And then in the 200, the U.S. gets four, because Noah Lyles gets the bye. 400, U.S. gets four, because Michael Cherry as a buy because he won the diamond league last year as well too. So he's got a good path in all three, either way. Then you look globally. Okay. Where do you have him in the world in the hundred last year, obviously medaled at the Olympics, but you have Coleman. Now you have Jacobs running as good as ever. You have DeGrasse, you have Bromel. Again, you have, you have Bracey, you have Baker, you have put Lyles potentially doubling up. Um, you got Bednarik and you got a lot of those same guys coming back in the 200 where you have um, Andre DeGrasse, Baker, or sorry, um, Lyles, um, Bednarik, Bednarik. Yeah. Arian Knighton, et cetera. You go to the four, I would think it's a little bit more open, but Steven Gardner is rock solid. And he doesn't look like he's going anywhere at all. You have Zambrano, and then you have Cherry and Norman, obviously. The 400, I think, takes a little bit more uh commitment right like 
the thought process is if you do the four, just going through the rounds and, and getting to the final is going to take a lot out of you. So I would guess, same thing with you, that it would be the one and the two. But I don't know. After last year, I thought the ones early on in the season, oh, he's just getting sharp. He's just getting sharp for for the, the 400. And then he ended up sticking with it, ended up making the team, and ended up meddling. So I really have no idea what he's going to do. And you could make an argument for every single event out there for him. I would lean towards, okay, you're right, the 200, probably biggest opportunity for growth. He hasn't meddled at the 200 yet. And you're like, okay, halfway between the one and the four. But remember last year, we talked a lot about how difficult it is to get the 200 right, just in terms of timing. You know, you come at it from like a distance runner's background. It's like, hey, how hard could it be? You know, they were good in the 1500. Uh, they were good in the, the 10,000. You know, they can run a 5,000. But distance running, you can kind of just follow along with the pack and then kick. You can't do that in the sprints. There's no person, you're not just going to follow along for 100 and be like, okay, I got the hang of this. Now I'm just going to kick away in, in the straightaway. So the timing is difficult to, to figure out. I would guess it would be the 200. But I don't know. If I had to bet right now, I'd probably say one and two. But who knows where this goes? You know what's interesting about Curly? He, he, he has a lot of cryptic tweets like, believe me, I will be the one to change the game forever. Mm -hmm. I think Fred Curly, this is a weird thing. I think he has a better shot to win world gold in the 100, but a better shot to break the world record in the 400. Like, if he's chasing an all-time time, I think he's yeah. got to go the four. If he's chasing medals, I think he's got to go the one and the two, which is interesting. It's like, you would think those would align. that, But, you know, just the way that the depth of the, the men's 100 and the fact that it's, you know, you just saw a race come down to 0 .003, yeah, you know, that doesn't really happen as much in a 400. Uh, you just, it's, it's just weird how that, that works out. So, anyway. well, there's also, there's also some weird stuff around. Sometimes it's the event that it's harder to make the U.S. team on. It's easier to medal. We've seen that before where you think, okay, if this, if you could just get on to the team, then the path to the medal is easier. And there's also a situation where he could post a really fast time and still be on the outside looking in. Because we don't know where that 100 or 200 or even 400 is really going to go. But especially the 100 with how well Jacobs has been running. And if Coleman can get back to 2019 Coleman. So you have multiple guys in the 9.7s. Um, it could take, you know, I know it's crazy to say. And a lot of this, we end up looking silly in retrospect because things calm down. But it could take 9.7 to medal. Like that wouldn't be, I don't know how... Um, Things will shake out the rest of the season. But basically, you could run an incredible time and just be in the wrong event at the wrong time. Look at the four-meter hurdles for men and women right now. Look at those times posted there. And sometimes it's only good enough for bronze. There's not even good enough for a medal. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. It depends what he's chasing. I'm guessing what he's after is when he says, I'm going to change the game forever, is I think he's looking at making the team in multiple events, and once he gets there, posting historical times. That's it. I'm excited. Yeah. All right. Let's keep it moving. Uh, hold on. Looking to the chat here. Do, 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 do. All right. We'll get to the chat later. There's a lot, lot going on in the chat. 
sometimes you click on the chat and there's just like so much text and you're like, I can't, I can't process all this right now. Cause no one wants to watch me read. It's like, Hmm. All right. Let's see what's going on here. All right. What else we got? Uh, we talked about bowling and Tui last week. Bowling goes 10.03 and Tui goes 4.12. What do you think of – you called it with bowling. You said sub-10. No, sub sub-10. 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 I put the line at 10.13. He beat it by a whole tenth. I said, hey, let's not overreact about bowling having a bad indoor meet. He's an NCAA champion. And he goes out, runs uh, a 10.03. Sets a PB at Florida State. Yeah, and I mean, it's a good kind of way to get that indoor season, you know, flushed out of his brain. And like now he can focus like, hey, I put down a 10.03, new PB, win legal PB for me to set up my outdoor season uh, and get some ready to go. Uh, and uh, it's pretty good. I mean, I think the 100 is going to be really competitive because we'll talk about we saw some other fast 100s at other meets that went down. Um, so I don't think... Bowling is going to run away with it by any means. There's definitely mm -hmm. a few others out there who can challenge him. And I think we're going to have a really good NCAA final when, it all, when it's all said and done. Um, but, hey, similar to Curly, you want to start off your outdoor season with, like, a good baseline rust buster. And for him, 10.03 for a college sophomore is a, is a very good baseline rust buster. Is it even a rust buster? Indoor just ended. I, I'm really confused sometimes where one season ends and another one begins when it comes to the NCAA. Oh, I had a week off. Now I'm ready to roll. But they it's were really sharp. They were really sharp two weeks ago, weren't they? I mean, the NCAA yeah, championship yeah, but, you know, was on the line. I mean, it is interesting. In the air. Is, it one, is it one big long season basically with this NCAA indoor championship at a midway point? Or is it two distinct seasons? Clearly, this indicates he's in a terrific shape. And the schedule or whatever, or just in him being a better hundred runner than a 60 runner and weird things happening in the 200, uh, contributed to that. Um, but it's also a lesson. Yeah. I don't define someone's season by one meet, particularly when you have a unique scenario of running a bunch of events in a short period of time. Some people are going to handle that better than others. Some people are yeah. not going to be able to manage it. And then some people, when it comes time to outdoors, when they have more time or, Hey, they just do one event. There's like, Hey, I'm just going to focus on one event over the course of a four day meet. And they're going to thrive in that versus someone who's going to be able to do multiple things over the course of the meet. Um, what'd you think of Tui? Tui, I mean, we, we said that she needed to run a, a good 1500, like a sub 410. She didn't run sub 410, but she did win the race and a race that had, you know, some, some decent mid distance runners in there with, uh, Michaela Meyer was in there, Emily Richards, Mia Barnett. And she won handedly in 412 by almost a, almost a whole second over Anna Gibson. Uh, she closed in 64. Um, I think it's a good starting point for Tui. I think she's going to, I'll be excited to see her in a faster 1500 to see if that can pull her along to, you know, four seconds faster. Uh, but um, once again, it's all about that baseline, right? Your mm -hmm. Rustbuster baseline is now 412. <laughs> That's what her PB was going into the season. That's the thing. Whenever I always love this in college and high school, whenever you're, when you match your personal best in the first race of a season, you're always mm -hmm. like, all right, this is great. You know, I have a new, I took a new step. And I think a lot of these athletes who are matching personal bests in race number one of a season, 
it's uh, gets them confident. Like, all right, clearly this whole year has right. been worth it. It set me up for another fresh, you know, elevation in my next round of, you know, racing and training. Yeah. And I, again, just like with the last segment, I think it's just a continuation. You get runner up into events, you're clearly in good shape. And even if you did nothing between that last race, like if you did zero miles a week between indoors and the end of March, I think you're still in a great position. I also think, tell me if you think there's any truth to this, or if you've ever heard coaches or athletes say this, the pressure just comes completely off because you go from really, really tense, high stakes meet for indoors to your opener. And I know some people get nervous at their opener, but theoretically that should be when you're kind of loose because it's the first one, there's no expectations on you. So I, I think some people benefit from the fact that you're still in the same shape you were in, but if you don't run fast, it's not the end of your season. It's not the end of the world. And just that easing of mental pressure lets you maybe take a little bit more risks or just have a little bit more fun with it. And athletes benefit from that in the early season. Yeah. Sorry. I had to lean back from my arm. That's okay. So can you hear me? If I, if I talk from back here, can you hear me? All right. What's the audio? Like? Yeah, I can hear you. Bad? Okay. All right. I'm going to talk people like would understand. Yeah. yeah. I need to rest my shoulder on the, on this uh, chair. <laughs> I mean, I could just start talking for really long periods of time. And then when you move up to the mic, that's when I know to stop talking. I could do that too. That's when I know like, hey, it's time for me to chop some knowledge. Yeah. I, or I could do it real short. Like I could do like this. Hey, Newberry Park, two guys ran 148 this weekend. There you go. A guy ran four flat and a guy ran 404. Go. I mean, yeah. Speaking of Newberry Park, that's insane. What was it? Four flat, 404, 148, and 149? 148, 148. Yeah, I'm, well, two 148s. Two 148s? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're now looking forward to what they're going to do at Penn Relays because they're running in that Olympic development four by mile against on running. Obviously, on running is not the same as a bunch of high school kids and on running is going to destroy them. But if you have two 148s, a four flat, and a 404, you have to think that they are going to be able to get very, very close to 16 flat, four or four by mile. I mean, mm. if they have people, it's tough. if they have people, have, I think they're going to have two sub four guys. I think they'll have a 357 and maybe a 359. And then basically they got to only give up four seconds. You know, you just you feel the energy, and the one guy runs four hundred three, the other guy runs four hundred one, and then all of a sudden you're crossing the line at sixteen minutes. Now, obviously, it's you're doing it by yourself. It's a big difference, but like, yeah, they, they're going to put down a time that is going to be like I'm willing to put the over under at like sixteen ten, which is insane for a high school team. Typically, you put the oh. over under at like sixteen forty. Well, I'm, pulling, I'm, I'm thinking 16-10 now. Yeah. Let's not get confused here. All of this is insane. 148, 148, yeah. 4 flat, 404. That is crazy. In the context of Newberry Park, though, we're just used to saying all-time times. And then with someone like Colin Solomon now, look at the resume he's put together this year. It's going to be fun to compare him to the all-time greats once his season's over. I almost don't even want to do it now 
because you don't know what else he's going to do. So it's going to change the context of the conversation completely by the time we get to the end of the season. I wonder if that four by mile, and I don't know, they might add other teams as well too, correct? Where they, So they'll have people, more people to run with them. So. Yeah. But as it stands right now, I almost wonder about the strategy of, hey, we are going against a pro team or pro teams. What if we just put our best runner first? I know usually people put their best runner last in situations like this. So that runner can be sure to get the benefit of, comp- of like some competition. And then you can have for sure leading, not for sure, because sub four is not for sure, but your best chance of just being in the race longer and getting the benefit of the competition versus if you put someone slower off the bat, then you're going to have the risk of all four people not really running with anybody. And then that gets, that gets really tough. Listen, I mean, they did the thing solo with the armory and still ran fast. They're going to run fast. It's just a matter of what sort of mark they leave for next year's team to beat or a team 50 years from now to beat. I do like the strategy of going fast to slow. I think that actually might be the best strategy for them because that is the one strategy that they need to do in order to ensure that their second and third best guys run as fast as they possibly can. Because we know Colin mm-hmm. Solomon's going to run well, but if you're able to get their two, three guys to run PBs and run like a second or two better than they've ever run before, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you got 75% of your relay at all time pace. Yeah. And then now you're just like, you're banking on, all right, you're the, you're, you're the, you're the slow guy. Again, the slow guy's a 404 runner. You're a slow guy and you'll just be like, <laughs> all right. You know, screw it. I'm going for it. And then, you know, you either burn out and you run 409 or you repeat what you ran or run even better. Uh, yeah. I did like it. When I was in high school, the coach sometimes would do the – he would purposely go fast to slow to try to right. put pressure on the slower guys to, like, this is your moment to, like, step up in PB and just to keep you in the race, right? Yeah. I just want to be yeah. in the race. Did it work? It worked. Yeah, I think it worked. I was ankle a couple. I was the anchor a couple times freshman and sophomore year when I was the slowest guy, and then I was the lead off junior and senior year. And it, it was it's it, it, it's interesting. It's like it's kind of it gives confidence to the the slowest guy being like, all right, they believe in me, you know. All right, so I gotta believe yeah. in myself. It's like a mental thing too. It's a yeah. way to coach what you're thinking you is for a four by mile. You're thinking for sixteen plus laps. How can I maximize the amount of time that my athletes are running with another athlete? Because that's what you want. You want them out there running with other people. So that requires you perhaps to change the order out of the traditional way that you'd structure it. Because listen, if you go their number one versus on's number one, their number two versus on's number two, it's like, all right, that's a little too much to ask. Like, hey, go against Oliver Hoare, heads up. I mean, even going against their number two or their number three is tough, but at least it shrinks the gap a bit there and maybe some of those other teams in there maybe their second third fourth fastest guys aren't as quick and then you can get the benefit of them fee- you know being in the race not at feeling like they're part of the race and not just hey we're just running four separate time trials um all right good segment there gordon you did good how's your shoulder uh it hurts the okay. one thing about so coding, you're only supposed to take it every six hours, but like I feel like they're lying to you. I feel like okay. I'm supposed let's, to be like three. 
Okay. I think they. Oh, we got twenty minutes left. I think they lie to you because they know you're going to break the rules, and really they don't want you to do it every one hour. But three hours is fine. That's what I'm telling myself. That's not. That's not medical advice. Yeah, it's not don't. medical advice. It's not medical, not medical advice. advice. It's just Gordon. Advice. Thank you, Colt. Thank you, Colt, for yeah. the disclaimer there. Uh, all right, Elaine Thompson Raw opened her season with a 400. We'll talk about that, and then we'll go to the. We'll close with the the Texas relay highlights at the end of the show. So, Elaine Thompson Raw went out very fast. Gordon went out very fast in this 400 uh, that she ran, and then closed uh, in a big time positive split. Didn't have a watch on it. But you can see she was out very hard. And then, well, what happens a lot of times when people run 400 meters, the second 200 feels like 300 meters. Um, a lot of short sprinters have a background in the quarter. Like think about Bolt, started as a 400 meter runner and then moved his way down. I looked up Thompson Hurrah for this race because I was just curious. Uh, she does not. She was one, two the whole way. And you can tell. Um, when it gets to that last hundred, because this just looks, this is very relatable. This is, this is an extremely relatable last hundred meters for Elaine Thompson, hurrah, despite being the multiple time Olympic champion, uh, she's struggling home here. So getting in some over distance workout. I mean, if you saw that last 50 meters, you'd say, what did she run 65? She run 70, uh, just shows you how quickly she went out that she was able to, to still run a a 56 there did you ever run a 400 like that gordon i uh, never run a 400 like that i've run an 800 like that you know where you just go out too hard and you're like oh i'm not prepared for this pace um but it is it is uh it makes sense she's clearly not a 400 meter she doesn't come from a 400 meter background uh probably her coach was like you're doing this and she said fine and the last 150 was all right. I'm doing it for coach, but I ain't I ain't mm. gonna be here no more. Like I, ain't, I'm not coming back. Yeah. I'm no Fred Curley. Like I am. Uh, I'm moving clearly to the 200 and the 100 after this. Um, yeah. But it shows even the best of the best can like have a mental, you know, lapse and you know run unlike themselves. Because I'm sure if Elaine Thompson hurrah had like all the motivation in the world to run yeah. the remaining 150 in that she probably could have still ran fast but you know there's it's it's a march 400 she's not going to like go to the well for a march 400 she's like all right yeah. coach wanted me to do one full lap i did one full lap all right we're done where's the uh right where's the well the water bottle like talent yeah <laughs> where's the water where's the, water where's the what was it what are the the where are the boot the normatech boots yeah normatech boots yeah. yeah well it just shows you that talent manifests itself differently too some people are just able to jump effortlessly through events not saying that if she trained she couldn't be a pretty good 400 meter runner i think she could but it's just different on different people and some people are, are really amazing in their one event and then they move out of it and then it gets tough. Yeah, I'm looking at her her career. So she ran in 2013, she ran 457.66. Then she didn't run another one until 2017. She ran 55 high, then she ran at one in, in 2019, 55 high. All of these were basically early season meets. So it wasn't a situation where she had run a bunch of quarters early on. And then from there, she uh, like moved down in distance or had that sort of 
versatility of like, hey, I don't know, should I be a 100 runner, 200 meter runner, 400 meter runner? Uh, I mean, you saw Sharika Jackson go four down to two and then down to one. With Thompson Rod, it's never, never been about that. I just thought it was an interesting uh, race. I gave her credit for, for running them. Um, all right. Let's go to Texas Relays in our city of Austin here. Headline, I thought, there's a lot of big names running this meet. Uh, Benjamin Azamati, 990, D2 record for West Texas A&M. Just blows away the field, Gordon, in this race. Uh, he's run well before. He competed at the Olympics. Um, and you got to be looking at this guy as, you know, the best collegiate 100-meter runner in, in any division this season. I think that's obviously in play for him. This is the fastest time in the world this year. Um, I also was trying to forecast what this means for him this year. And so I was looking at a comp from, from last year. And he ran at Texas Relays last year. Wind a little bit different, but both wind legal. This year, 2.0. Last year, it was 1.5. But last year, he runs 9.97. And then obviously, you know, that stood up as his PR. This year, 990. But last year, he goes 997. And then he had a bunch of times in the low 10s. Like at D2 Champs, he was 10.02. So again, you could adjust for wind and find these other factors. But I think, you know, still conditions, this guy is a legit sub 10 runner, uh, consistent sub 10 runner um, this year. And it's just, it's a cool part of track and field, right? That somebody from a smaller school can be the best in the nation. Like it's, it's, a, it's a cool part of track. Like all it takes is you going out there and, and putting on a show and then people will, will take note. Yeah, I mean, if Azamadi can keep this up, obviously no one in the D2 world's going to beat him. Like he's definitely thinking already, not I want to win an NCAA title, but I want to make a world final and put myself in position to potentially medal in Eugene. Um, it's interesting because there could be a situation where two of the three Bowerman finalists are D2 mm -hmm. athletes. We could have Trevor Bassett and Ben Azamati as two of the three finalists. Because right now, I would argue that Azamati, Bassett, and Nur are your three best collegiate athletes right now. That's interesting. Agree, I didn't think of so, I mean, I put Randolph Ross in the mix on the men's yeah, side. true. As well. Ross. But that's a good point. That is a great point. But if, like, Bassett goes out and runs, like, Rye Benjamin-type times, it can be hard to keep him out. And then, obviously, if Azamati goes out there and runs fastest time, runs faster times than all the D1 guys... You know, like these two sprinters might deserve it. I'm getting Randall Frost probably will get in because he might run out of his mind as well. But mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see uh, D2 show up at the Bowerman Awards. And be like, oh yeah, this is not a Division One award; it's a collegiate award. Yeah, and that has not happened yet, per my knowledge of the Bowerman. Yeah, I don't think so. Hmm. Something to watch for sure. Yeah, Ghanaian national record we should mention as well too. And Ghana put remember last year they put a good four by one on the track at the Olympics. 
made it into the final. So watch out for them in the World Championships too. They're uh, they're a squad on the rise. So keep an eye on on Ghana. Yeah, when you talk about the Bowerman, I didn't think we'd do a Bowerman discussion in the end of March, but I'm kind of glad you did. Because it tells, like, indoor basically served as this big elimination meet for the Bowerman, when you think about it. Yeah. It's like, because you had someone like Nagus who runs a collegiate record in the 3K, you're thinking, all right, this could be it. But then he doesn't get a title, does not in the DMR, and then finishes well off the pace in the 3000, right? So it's like, but, and then Nur comes in and doubles. So it's, you got to put Nur on the list there. And then you have two guys in Bassett and Azamati whose times can, are going to be better or have the potential to be better than the D1 best times. Now, for Bassett, we'll see in the four hurdles because sh- remember how fast Sean Burrell ran last year and he didn't run indoors. His event wasn't featured indoors, neither was Bassett's, but that'll be a fun back and forth to see who ends up the, with the fastest time out of those two guys. But Azamati, certainly. Like, would it surprise you if he ends up being the fastest 100 guy this year in all of collegiate sprinting? No. No, not if you're running 990. No. Yeah. I mean, you look, I mean, Joseph Fambula could potentially get into 9.8s maybe. He looks pretty healthy after running mm-hmm. two legs at the Texas Relays. Masanganwi hasn't done much, but he was good last year for Houston. And then bowling, 10.03 early. He could put himself in a mix. But right now, yeah, I mean, I think there's three people who could challenge him, but none of those three are surefire. I'm going to beat you. You know, so mm-hmm. I think there's a good chance that the D2 mark could be the fastest mark by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Real quick before we move off the men's 100, Toby Makiao of BU. Uh, he goes 9-9. Nine, nine. That was plus 4.6 on the win. That Texas Relays wind was in, in fine form <laughs> out there. Um, but he keep an eye on him. He was the European junior champ. So watch him moving forward. Um, women's side of things. So you have Solera Barnes, 10-82. Jada Baylark, 10-83 in the college race. Everything I'm about to talk about here on is wind dated. Let's just let it put that out there. <laughs> Except for the four by one and the four by four, which we'll talk about. But everything else from here on out is wind. I should turn on the fan for this segment. Um, and then the pro section, Gabby Thomas goes 1092 ahead of Tamara Clark, her training partner, 1094. Um, they also doubled back in the two, Gabby Thomas and Tamara Clark. Uh, Thomas goes 2169 um, to get the narrow win. I thought it was interesting. Thomas talked about just the, even though it is wind aided, the psychological benefit of seeing 21 6 or 10 9 on the clock early season. I thought that was an interesting way to look at it. Um, and then if you're looking at the collegiate side of things, with Barnes, obviously she's, she's been in the mix for a couple years now. You know, just to have the confidence that even though it is a little wind aided, that you're out there running 10 8s. Um, got to be a promising sign for her too yeah seeing gabby run 10 9 and 21 6 again they're coordinated it's like okay she's she hasn't missed a beat she's ready to go and like i said my gabby versus abby's the year of gabby versus abby is gonna it's gonna heat up as we get later into the season which i'm excited for yeah i thought she'd go in to this meet and lay down a marker and she did now 
wind-aided, so people, as soon as there's a fast non-wind-aided time, people will move and start discussing that. But I, I thought she took care of business. Tamara Clark ran really well, though, too. Clark was right there, and she had a good season last year, so keep an eye on her. Kenny Harrison ran fast in the high hurdles, so did Aaliyah Armstrong. You had this interesting college versus pro back and forth, which is, I, I guess, why you were picking that um, pros versus collegians thing for Florida Relays, because it is kind of fun at this point in the season. Not that it can't be a fair fight later, but it's they're crossing paths at this point in the year, because some of them didn't run indoors, the pros, that is. So they're just getting going, and then the collegians are already coming in sharp. Uh, let's talk about these relays to close out, though. Florida men win the 4 by one and the 4 by 4 Texas women do the same thing, but on the uh, women's side of things, taking the 4 by one and then 4 by 4 I was impressed with Florida men. Uh, I think clearly uh, Florida missed Joseph Fambula on the indoor season. They weren't able to – he wasn't be able to be 100%. He did run SECs, but he clearly was – not what he was last year. And for him to be on both the four by four and the four by one and them run two really good times, especially 38, 47 and a four by one is very impressive. Uh, I think Florida men are going to be a lot better outdoor than they were indoor, especially because mm -hmm. Fambula is, looks to be healthy. Um, and I'm excited to see what they do. They, I mean, 38, four is pretty quick for this early in the mm -hmm. year. You got to think they're going to get better, you know, with the handoffs and slowly but surely, you know, they might be able to potentially flirt with re-breaking their collegiate record, which is like 37-9-ish, I think. I forget what, exactly what it is. But I think they're going to be in – that should be a, a goal, I think, is running 37-9 again. Um, and we talk about – you know, Elaine Thompson hurrah not being able to handle the 400. Joseph Fambula clearly can handle the 400. He's a one, two guy and he's out here <laughs> running like a Grant Holloway where he's like, yeah. all right, you need me in the short sprints. I, I'm the star in a short sprints, but you need me to anchor a four by four. I got you. So they got their new mm -hmm. Holloway to, uh, anchor four by fours after doing a bunch of short sprints. Um, and he's kind of built like Holloway, very, you know, wide shouldered, you know, uh, mm -hmm. kind of, he's like a mini Holloway in a, in a weird way. He's the non-hurdle Holloway. Well, the 400 was interesting because people caught him, but he kept something in the back pocket. And I know that had to be very demoralizing to do all that work to catch up. And then you expect, hey, we're catching this guy in the quarter. He's just going backwards. There's no way he's going to have a response. But no, he did. And his clothes was kind of like his clothes in the 200. Where it just comes out of nowhere. This was not as big because it was he had run 350 meters or so, but he definitely kept something and then he just burst away from everybody and it was too late for any sort of response. You look at that Florida collegiate record team, uh Ekvewo, Sonny Brown, Holloway, Ryan Clark. I mean, that's some some impressive guys on that squad. That was the 37-97 team. Um so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see them them chase that. They just have – they're so deep every year. they got so many options. they got very versatile runners too. Can run the two, can run the four, can run the one, can do a field event, can help out on a relay. And the same – I feel the same way about the Texas women. They just have a lot of people that they can plug in there who can run 
a really strong leg. Um, I'm kind of enjoying this Texas, Florida. I know it's not a back and forth really, cause it hasn't been going on that long, but I, but I am enjoying the, uh, the Texas and Florida, at least on the women's side too. Cause we just saw Florida take the NCAA indoor title. Um, their battles, I think are gonna be fun to watch this outdoor season. Did you see what, um, one of the Texas women ran though? What was it? Her split? I had never heard of this girl, this woman. I think she's a transfer. Let me find the results. Well, she split something out of this mind. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not, I don't, now maybe this could be wrong because maybe the order in the results is not mm-hmm. accurate. But if the order in the results is the same, they anchored with a 49-88 split mm-hmm. in Texas. And if that is if Davika Patterson is the woman who anchored in 49.88. I looked her up. Davika Patterson, like, she's good. She's a transfer from Iowa, but, like, she's she's from Ireland. She's 21, and her personal best is 52.5. Mm-hmm. So it seems kind of wild that your personal best is 52.5, and then you go out there and anchor 49.88. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's the wrong person on the results, but... Regardless, you have a forty nine eighty eight anchor. It's, it's, that's gonna take your team far. Yeah, <laughs> that's an understatement. I know there was some moving around of who was on what team and what person ran what. Leg. I mean, even if it's anybody on the team running sub fifty, I think Mo in the yeah. in the pro race split about a fifty. So anything quicker than that, you're gonna get a lot of credit for. But it was cool to see the you know the best programs out there and. Texas relays is one of those meets you just, they want to perform well in just for the, I know it's, Oh, let's get a qualifying mark out of the way and all that stuff. But I think you go because you want to be tested early on and you want to win um, in the same way, Penn, like you don't need to explain to people why Penn is a big deal. <laughs> you don't need to explain to people why you're going to run your A team at Penn. It, it has singular importance and it was fun to see a lot of the big names battle it out at, uh, at Penn. Travis says he thinks Stacey Ann Williams was the anchor for Texas, which would make sense. That would make, because, yeah, that makes yes. Sense. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is very fast. She is very fast. All right, I'm looking. Yep, yeah, and Kadeem says the same thing. So thank you, Kadeem. That was Stacey Ann Williams. Let me look at some of the comments in the chat. All in the game says, uh, Lamara Diston jumped an outdoor personal best. National record, world lead 1.96. A Texas Relay six-centimeter improvement. World Championship qualifying standard number five on the all-time collegiate list, three centimeters off the number one spot. Uh, Donovan says Fanbelay's grit in the last fifty was impressive in that four by four. Yeah, I mean, also, I I, I do think he ha- he knew, hey, I want to save a little bit here. I want to be able to respond when they when they come back. Um, so credit to him for that. Um, let's see. Someone asked about Richardson. I, yeah, I don't think she ran. I'm not sure why she didn't run. Um, did You don't know anything about that? I don't think we know anything no. about that. She okay. will be running, though, at the Bermuda Games, live on Flowtrack April 9th. So There you go. Check that out. Um, let's see. All in the game says, even with a 2.9 and 3.1, Tailwinds, Gabby T, and Tamar Clark looked good. Uh, also, like you said, Kenny Harrison at yeah, 22.19 as well, too. Um, 
Donovan says shows you just how insane the things Sharika Jackson and Fred Curley have done. They're talking about their ability over the one, two, and the four. Um, yeah, and then someone says you only need one limb to dunk, Gordon. Uh, thank you. One thing that sucks is that I hurt my my right shoulder, so my right hand is not usable. And you going a whole weekend without one of your arms is mm-hmm. a life is a eye opening experience. You just realize how much well, you use one of your hands in life. Like just well, anything. I, it is so weird. It's like oh, it's just like oh, I need to reach for the my phone, but it's on the other side of my body, so you have yeah. to like rotate like a lot more, yeah. and it's just crazy. I joked about it earlier when I said, "Did you ask the doctor if you're still able to podcast?" But you do use your right arm a lot to edit, and you have yes. a lot of workout Wednesdays that need to be edited. Ooh, I, do you I think know. you're going to be able to do it? I don't know. We're going to try tonight. I'm going to make an attempt to edit. We might have to change the order of the edits because we do have mm-hmm. some already finished. The one that was supposed to go up this Wednesday is not started. So we'll see. I'm going to make an attempt tonight. And if it works out, we're good. If not, we might have to rearrange our order due to uh, my shoulder. If I did get edit. a call though. I did get a call from the ortho. The orthopedist called me during the podcast. So okay, you want to I put them on? I have to, I, no, should I put them on? Can we patch the orth- Yeah, yeah. Can we patch the orthopedist through, Colt? They I say, don't know idea. if we're supposed to do that with medical records, but I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. You don't listen to the voicemail. You can play the voicemail. Here we go. Have you have you listened to it yet? I don't need to listen to voicemail. They're just going to say, hey, call me back. Orthopedic group. It is the office of Dr. Manish Patel. I was reaching out regarding uh, scheduling an appointment for you to see him regarding, uh, I believe, your shoulder. At your convenience, yep. you can reach- so, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Go well, after this podcast. If there's actually no edits on these workouts, if they end up all being 39 minutes long, you know what happened. Gordon was midway through and he's just like, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do Export. it. Export. We're done. Export. Just push send. I should put like a little claim on like, if you don't, in every description for all these videos, don't get mad. They were edited by a person with one hand. So no, put I'm some kidding. dramatic music and then the, like the Star Wars scroll at the beginning to let people know what's going on. I listen, it's interesting though, that it ends up being the Houston workout that's going first. Cause that's the one literally that's the oldest. And I know you kept saying, Hey, I should just, I should edit it. I should edit it. I should get that one done just to have it in the bank. And you kept pushing it off, pushing it off. What could go wrong? Yeah. What can go wrong? Hey, guys, wear your helmet. Wear your helmet. Bike 10% slower than you think you should. And then you'll be fine. That's my my lesson I've learned. Yeah. I still thought you did really well today, considering all that's gone on in your life the last couple days. Uh, You talked about the Bowerman. That was a good point, and you did it without bringing up Chez losing. I wanted Credit to, though, to because you said indoor kind of eliminates people from the Bowerman consideration. Yeah. And it should have eliminated Jerry and Lawson because he got sixth in the 60 meters indoor. Okay, the see, he won the now Bowerman we're going backwards. Gordon, we were, doing, we were doing great. We were doing great. We had so the idea it. that a bad indoor season eliminates you is not true because, boy, oh, boy. Well, they, uh, I just, they, well, if someone goes on to triple 
at NCAAs. If Yara Nagus triples at NCAAs, I take it all back. Let me say that right but now. But if Yara Nagus triples at NCAAs and NAU decide not to come to the meet and BYU decided to go on mission and all the other athletes decided just to be like, hey, I'm not going to run and get hurt, yeah. it's not a real triple. And that's exactly what I happened just with think, Lawson. Well, Trayvon Pamel, I'm not saying, Goss, I'm not saying you can't recover. I'm not saying you can't recover. I'm just saying a lot of other things need to happen. If if one of those guys who had a bad indoor meet comes back and breaks a collegiate record and wins two events at NCAA's, we'll obviously throw them in here. I just think you're right. You got an interesting situation brewing with these Division two athletes that I don't know if yeah. people it was on their radar, but it was on your radar, even though you were at the hospital. Yeah, that's it. What a great show! It is, it is a good show. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, We've been doing this show. How many episodes? What number episode is this? We're on. Let's something? see. Four. Yeah, something. we're in the four fifty. Let's see, something. Hold on, let me. That's nuts. Four hundred and fifty uh, times. No, no, we're on. I can get the exact number for you. Maybe okay. I can't. Hold it's on. Fine. Let me get these. No, no, no. It's we got to get it. Uh, this is four twenty-seven. So we've been talking for four hundred and twenty-seven hours. No, because Link, Lincoln was on for a lot of them at the beginning. Okay, okay, all right. So we haven't. But some of them have been more than an hour. Very few sure. of them have been less than an hour. Uh, you talked to Ellie Kachoge for about 30 minutes for one of them. I wasn't on that one. Uh, women's Bowerman, real quick, while we're doing Bowerman previews. Let's do it. I didn't get, I didn't get to say this because I wasn't on that pod. Moore, Stark, Steiner. Someone in the distance is going to have to do something big to get in the mix. What about this? What if it's more Stark Hall and it's all Florida <laughs> uh, finalist? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Steiner, I guess... Will, Steiner will get in because she's going to run amazing and, you know, but well, that'll be kind no, of cool you're right. three Florida athletes all doing it. You're right to add Hall. No, no, you're right to add Hall. I did that before Texas Relays. I was just looking at indoors, and you're looking at you're you're giving weight to to doublers, and you're giving weight to people who are you know, breaking collegiate records or tying collegiate records. Um, but yes, no, I think I think if it was four people, that would wouldn't that be the four right now? It would have to. be. Yeah, it's not Weymouth, no, because that's not the eight hundred. No, yeah, it's definitely. Yeah. There's going to be no distance athletes. It's not the 400. No. Yeah, I think it's going to be I mean Stark needs to make Stark needs to win the hurdles outdoors. And that's going to be hard cuz Ali Armstrong yeah. looks pretty good right now. Uh Yeah. But yeah, I think I think Steiner and Moore are like two locks. And that Well, and don't you think is up for grabs. I don't know. Have you done your rankings yet for college? Like how big of a favorite is Moore in both the jumps? Oh, she's gonna be a huge favorite. I mean, there's, gonna be no tough new, to beat. New, there's gonna be no newcomer coming into outdoor. I don't think there was any, there was no one who was redshirting. I mean, you could argue maybe Tyra Giddens is like more in routine because she kind of came back into the college scene late, so she wasn't like truly a hundred percent. So maybe she will challenge. And but other than that, no, it's gonna be more. I mean, what you're saying, like, I could totally see the scenario where it's because they don't overlap, really. Because, okay, here's, cause here's, what, here's what needs to happen. Because I've, 
paid attention to this award long enough, and I've paid attention to the award athletics. Sorry, we're going to go extra long. Is that okay? Or do you want to go? Uh, just go for it. Just end, hit, hit three, me. I love three more comments. minutes. Three more minutes. Three more minutes. Well, this is the issue with track awards. Not all events are equal, right? The, the javelin thrower can't compete indoors. It's really hard for the person who has the hammer throw to double. But the 100, 200 can double. The 5 and the 10 can double. There's more opportunities for them to shine. So what a multi-event athlete needs to do to get considered is put up a historical mark. Is Anna Hall good enough to do that? Absolutely. We saw that at Texas Relays. So there's one thing. What a horizontal jumper needs to do to get considered is what? You got to win them both. And if you can sweep indoors and outdoors, it's hard to keep that person off of at least the finalists. Then you go to Stark, who, okay, if she does one event or she does two, I mean, she did two indoors, two individual events indoors. Okay. Put the 60 aside if you want. You just look at the tying the collegiate record indoors. If she's able to do that against some uh, equivalent performance outdoors, that's what you need to do to get in the mix. And maybe, maybe she qualifies in the open hundred as well to put a little bit of icing on the cake. You also need to have the situation where nobody doubles in the five and the 10. Cause I feel like doubling in the five and the 10 is an automatic ticket to the Bowerman. And that's probably uh, not going to no, happen. No, this no, year. no, not well, no, no, to, to get a, to be a finalist. I don't know. You, you go back and look and see, but I mean, t- to be a finalist, it definitely puts you on the fast track. So the stars are basically aligning for this to happen. So we, we could see Florida, Florida, Florida. All right. We're going to go because Gordon's uh, in a lot got, of pain. I'm getting a muscle yeah. spasm on my tricep. All right. And it is not fun. Let's, yeah. let's hang up. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Your, 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 your shirt is way too unbuttoned. Ah. To continue near the pod. All right. Thanks to Cole. Thanks to Gordon for soldiering Like and through. subscribe. Like and subscribe. Yeah. Thanks, Travis. Like and subscribe. I'll be back Wednesday. Don't know about my co-host. Is it over? Just hang up.